As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You are so good at your job. You should host a show called you What Should, should I Read Next? You should recommend books to people. Yeah, oh you should just gosh. do that for a living. You know, I thought about it. <laughs> Weird. Hey, readers. I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, Episode 121. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on the show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Readers, I want to read a terrific email I got from Julie after last week's episode. I was listening to your podcast with Liz today on my way to work. That's episode 120 that we just had last week. So Julie says, today is my late day, so I don't go in until 10. You all got to the point in your conversation about indie bookstores just as I was coming up to a turn. Left to work, straight to the new indie. I went straight. I walked right in and got some thoughtful help finding a book to meet the poetry slash short story requirement in my Modern Mrs. Darcy 2018 reading challenge. Thanks for the solid push to support local retailers. I have been reading almost exclusively on my Kindle Paperwhite, which I love, but it means I'm buying everything through Amazon or getting it from my library. I'm going to relish reading real paper books with the knowledge I am supporting my local economy, bookish culture in my town, and authors. Thanks for that, Julie. We always love to hear what you think of the show, so please keep your messages and emails coming. The easiest way is to simply hit reply to our free weekly newsletter. Sign up at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash newsletter. Today's guests take Getting Lost in a Good Book to a totally different level. Kristen Meisner and Jolenta Greenberg host the podcast By the Book, a bookish comedy show that catalogs the ultimate buddy read. Together, they live by the rules of different self-help bestsellers for two weeks at a time. Kristen and Jolenta are super funny and have tons of dirt to dish about living to the letter of books like The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, The Secret, The Miracle Morning, and more. My high-stakes job this week is recommending three titles for them to consider living through next. No pressure. I also want to give a quick warning. Today's episode includes a very brief discussion of disordered eating. If this is a topic you need to skip for your own safety, I totally get it. The discussion starts when the book French Women Don't Get Fat is mentioned around halfway through the show, and you can fast forward three minutes to miss it. All right, let's get to it. Kristen Jolenta, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited. So you all are in studio together right now, right? Yes, yes we are. We're, can, we can, we're just can, touching, we we're just touching, touching each, each other. other right now. <laughs> oh, now you're just showing off. Okay, where's your studio? Because I've seen you on Instagram. 
but I can't visualize where it is. We're, we're in Brooklyn, New York at the Panoply Studios. Right in scenic downtown. You know, I've spent very little time in Brooklyn, but I'd like to. I always intend to, and then I run out of time when I'm in New York for work. Oh, well, you should come and visit us next time. Join us in our studio. We'll have some fun together. That sounds like all kinds of delightful nerdy fun. Oh, we're nerds. We'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that means you're our kind of people. (laughs) So I'm really excited about today's episode because we not only get to talk about your favorite books, but... You all read books for a different reason than most readers do. Would you tell me a little bit about that, about your self-help endeavor? Yes. Yeah. So I have to give all credit to Jolenta here because Jolenta came up with this idea a couple years ago to read self-help books and then live by those self-help books and record us doing those self-help books. And she invited me to do this with her because she knows I think self-help books are stupid. And (laughs) she loves self-help books. And so we were thinking about it for quite a while. And then last year, Panoply had this pilot project where we got to make a podcast and so did a bunch of other folks. And the public voted on which shows they wanted to be turned into a full series. And our show, By the Book, was one of the shows that was made. So we feel very, very lucky that Jolenta's obsession with self-help books was accepted by the public and now by the book as a series. I didn't realize that was your origin story. Yeah. So what did you read that caught everybody's interest? First book we read for our pilot was The Secret. Oh. Which was made made popular by Oprah, at least to me, about, what, 10 years ago? Oh, gosh. I think maybe even more than that. I know. It's about, write yourself a check for a million dollars so that you can cash it next week. Put a vision board up of the mansion you want to live in and, like, the private jet you want. That kind of, that kind of yeah. positive thinking. Go, go to sleep visualizing driving a sports car so that the next day you'll actually receive a sports car. Oh, I know, because a family member told me about this at Thanksgiving dinner, and of (laughs) course I had to see what the fuss was about, and I can see how that would be very entertaining listening. Um, Entertaining is one word, but also just completely nuts. I mean, it's (laughs) it's crazy. It's completely insane. The whole idea of the book is insane. It's amazing. Kristen, (laughs) Kristen, in that episode, you move traffic with your mind. That's true. I did do that. I did move traffic with my mind. So how do you all know each other? Years and years ago, we were working together, and we just hit it off. And our producer, Cameron, also worked with us, and the three of us just became pals. And then we feel super lucky because we've been able to continue working together, even though that old job is way back in history, but we're still together. So sometimes you meet your best friends through work, right? That is very true. Okay, so Kristen, you hate self-help books. What is it about it that just makes you say, "Mm, no? You know, maybe I'm speaking too strongly saying I hate them. Maybe I just despise them. No, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Very similar. No, I think that, unfortunately, I think that there are a significant percentage of self-help books that are charlatans that are shilling false science and sometimes to the detriment of their readers. And Jolent and I have learned that through some of the books we followed, that some of them are harmful psychologically, some of them are actually physically harmful. Um, And... Sometimes the writing is just very, very bad in self-help books. And as somebody who loves reading and on my own time, not for the show, I read lots and lots of books. I'm in a book club that I've been in for seven years. I did comparative literature as a major in college. I love the beautiful written word. And unfortunately, a lot of self-help books are just <laughs> horribly written. Um, Jolenta has yeah. pointed out many times how many like grammatical errors there are in these I'm books. not a good speller. I'm not good at grammar. But if I'm noticing it, it's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jolenta, what's your history with self-help? I've always been so intrigued by it. I'm, I'm a bit of a wanderer, a bit of a... 
you know, lost soul. I'm a comedian. I'm, you know, I'm your friend that like always has four unconventional jobs. So I'm always looking, looking for advice on how to how to fit in and and do things right because I feel like often I don't do them right. And I like I like the promises. I like the promises of self-help like everyone else, right? Can you tell me about an early book in the genre that made you think, "Yes, this is why I visit the shelf at the bookstore?" Oh, my first and favorite, I think like real self-help book was oh, I don't know how old I was when I got it, but I was I was a tween, maybe like 13, 14. My mom got me Tyra Banks's book, Tyra's Beauty Inside and Out, and I was obsessed with it. It had beauty tutorials and how to walk to be a model tutorials. But Tyra's also about, you know, empowering women. So a little bit of girl power stuff mixed in with, you know, how to do a good French braid. It was everything I'd been wanting from a book. So you're (laughs) saying that Tyra fulfilled the promise. Oh, totally. Yes. Yes. What are you reading when you're not reading for the show? Um, What am I reading? I love a good I love a good true crime I love, you know, right now I'm reading People Who Eat Darkness, which is about um, an English girl who went missing when she was working in a hostess bar in Japan. And it ends up being like she was involved in a cult. It's just it's everything I like. Cults <laughs> and crime and injustice. And Kristen, what about you? So you said you read all the time. Did you say you've been in a book club for seven years? Yes. Maybe the it's same? even longer than seven years. Yeah. The Brooklyn Bookies. Shout out to my girls. So I've been in that book club for maybe it's closer to eight years. It's been a really long time, and I love my book club crew. We meet every month on a Sunday for booze, books, and breakfast. And then we just talk about the books, and the books are frequently a jumping-off point for bigger things in life. But the current book that we're reading for my book club, which I absolutely love, I I don't want to read the last 30 pages because then it'll be done with, but I also can't resist, and I know I'm just going to finish it later today. The book is called The Power by Naomi Alderman. It imagines an alternate future where women have an electrical current that runs through their body And it can, if they touch something, electrocute what they touch. And in this other future, the women hold the upper hand and they kind of talk mythically about that time back in history where supposedly men at one point were in charge. Isn't that crazy? Men were in charge at one point. Isn't that nuts? And it's such a fun, delicious read. I just love it. Have you been reading my email? Because all week I've been emailing back and forth with a friend saying, should I read this book? Because I've been thinking about reading it. And then when I was trying to find something on my bookshelf, I realized I actually owned this book. (gasps) What? You're so lucky you just own it? Oh my gosh. Read it. It is so good. I'm reading the hardcover version. It's so nice to touch the pages and look at the Mm -hmm. illustrations. Oh, read it. So this is a book club pick. This is a book club pick. We read predominantly female authors in my book club and people of color. We like to support uh, women and people of color who mm-hmm. are writing. So that's a conscious decision on both counts. Yes, on both counts. And um, another book that I just absolutely loved that we read last year was Homegoing by Yanagasi. Oh, my God. It was so beautiful. It's a total multi-generation epic that spans hundreds of years, tells the story of people on the Gold Coast up to the present who descended from slavery. And it's beautiful what it says about love and about family and about what it means to be human. I'm sorry, all of those things sound like giant fake things that I'm saying, but they're all genuine. It's so good. Do you know she was like 26 years old when she wrote that, when it came out? 
I believe it. Does that it. blow your mind? Oh my God. I believe it because so many of the characters are actually young or young women, and she seems to have such a visceral idea of what it's like to be 17 or 21 or to go through all those things that you mm-hmm. don't fully necessarily own your body and you're not feeling confident and all the other confusing things that happen when you're a young woman. She really does a great job, I think, of capturing. How has reading for the show changed your reading life? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Well, when I mentioned I was reading a true crime book, I've been trying to read that book for the past year because <laughs> I basically was given that book right when we started producing that uh, our show. It has really slowed down my personal reading because I read so much for work. I dissect books all the time that sometimes, even when I have a break from work, I don't read. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm a little tired. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of reading. And we do very close reading of mm-hmm. our self-help books. We read them like line by line where we highlight things, where we copy and paste things Taking into a notes document. constantly. Um, so it's very, very close to reading. It's almost like an academic reading of yes. the books. Even though it doesn't sound like yeah. that in the podcast. It feels like I'm in school sometimes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love that you're academically reading The yes. Secret. Yes. yes. Oh, Even yes. in Miracle yes. Morning. Yes. And yes. French women don't get that. Copious yes. notes. All of those things. And even though it's a comedy show, by the book, we are a proud comedy show. It really is approached with great thoroughness. Yeah. Now, we will get to the specifics, so have no fear. We will talk about what you all have loved and hated as books for your show. But I'd love to hear how you choose them. Do you vet the books in advance or do you just dive in? Um, we, we vet them minimally, yes. uh, but it's, it's a mixture how we pick things. We try to always stick with bestsellers, books that people are interested in. For me, at least for the first season, it was just lots of books that you would hear your mom or like your mom's friends talking about that, that you're like, yeah, I should maybe pick that up, but I never will. Just the ones you've always heard about, always wondered about. Yeah. And we'll read it for you. Yeah. And our listeners give us lots of recommendations. Right. And in the cases where a book gets 50, 100, 150 recommendations from our listeners, in some cases more than that, we definitely investigate we always, those books. Yeah, and look we look those. into them. Occasionally, though, we'll uh, look at a book that we were going to live by. And within a few pages into the book, we'll realize that's not a good choice for our show. There's not enough activity for us to follow. Too much of the book is in our brains and not out in the world. Mm -hmm. And in order for the book to work well for our show, we have to actually do things. Yeah, there has to be a certain amount of activity required. Yes, yes. It can't just be thinking. Okay, so less philosophy and more doing. Yes, actual steps. There actually need to be steps in the book for us to follow it. And once in a while, we'll choose books that are very controversial because we know that There's a reason why so many people love or hate the book. And there's some fun in investigating through our experiments. (laughs) Why is this book so polarizing? Why do people feel so strongly that they either write a horrible review or a wonderful, wonderful review of it? Okay, so today we're going to talk about books based on what you've loved and hated to talk about on the show specifically, not just reading for your own sake. Books that might be fun to cover on By the Book. Of course... We need to do what we typically do on What Should I Read Next, which is you all are each going to tell me three books you loved to talk about on the show, one book you hated, and if you're reading anything now, let's hear about that too. Excellent. Okay, well, let's start with your first favorites. Okay, this is Jolenta speaking. My first favorite is uh, Bored and Brilliant by Manoush Zamarodi. 
It's about how disconnecting from technology in different ways can help spark more original ideas. I've loved the podcast series on Notes of Self, but I mm-hmm. haven't read the actual book. It's a, and it's, it's a really good self-help book. There are really clear steps. It's a fun, quick read. Manoush is a really good guide through this world of, of technology and how to disconnect in ways that aren't, you know, delete everything always and hide your phone from yourself. You know, it's really approachable. And do those things make a good self-help book, do you think? Or does it specifically make a good podcast episode? I think both. For our podcast, we love simple steps and really actionable things. And I think that's what people, at least that's what I like in a self-help book, too. I want to feel like I am doing the work, not just, you know, mulling over the theory in my head. And she gives a step for one thing to do every day for seven days. It's just a nice, simple, week-long experiment that's, that's gentle but, but has an impact. All right. So my first favorite, we lived this um, a couple months back around the holidays, The Little Book of Hygge by Mike Viking. And um, for people out there who don't know what the word hygge is, it's spelled H-Y-G-G-E. And it's a Danish word that kind of means coziness. And this is a huge international bestseller, which is really just about embracing a sense of cozy in your life to feel like you're wrapped up in a blanket on a cold, rainy day and to bring that sense of hug into all of your life, like <laughs> like being hugged all the time. And so during this book, we did things like, well, I should say I did. I watched Christmas movies every day because Christmas is a big part of it. Um, we dressed only in black because you're supposed to dress Danish. Um, we burned lots of candles and uh, we gathered in small groups with friends because you're not supposed to gather in groups larger than four. Uh, so there are some <laughs> wacky rules to it. And not everything about the book was perfect. But I love any book that is about being just social and being kind and appreciating what you have. And, of course, that Christmas stuff. I'm a Christmas nut. I'm just going to say it. I'm wild <laughs> about Christmas. If there is any self-help book out there that's just like have that Christmas feeling in your heart year-round, I'm probably going to give it an outstanding rating. So I love The Little Book of Hugga, despite some of its little problems. <laughs> I want to know more, but I clearly need to listen to that episode. Oh, yeah. So did you know about the Christmas thing going in? Because I didn't know that about Hugga. No. No, no, that was, that a, was, a, that was a surprise for Kristen. <laughs> yeah, I loved that. I mean, one of my little criticisms of the book is half the planet does not have Christmas. More right. than half the planet. There's right, a very right. large percentage of the planet that um, there are different religious and uh, cultural traditions that they have that are outstanding and wonderful and valid. But those aren't included in the little book of Hugga Christmases. All right. You ready for, for my next one? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. The next book I will recommend is The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo, another huge bestseller. It's the one that my mom has probably pushed on me the most. And it's all about going through all of your belongings, seeing what actually brings joy into your life, and releasing the things that maybe don't bring joy and clutter up your life. So this sounds like it's hitting all the bases. Yeah, yeah. Very actionable. Healthy dose of woo-woo, like, to banter about. Yes, (laughs) yes. Every time you have to pick up every object that you own, whether it's a pencil or your computer, and ask aloud, does this bring me joy? 
And if the answer is no, you have to thank the item for its service before you then decide if it's getting thrown out, donated, sold, what have you. Yeah. Also, just throw out half of what you own. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I would say also <laughs> just maybe for a Brooklynite living in 550 square feet with another human and a dog, I just love an excuse to get rid of clutter. Oh, I hear you. But so many readers were so, so angry about what she said about books, Mm. which I mean, she says, if it brings you joy, keep it. It's fine. But she has that theory that the time to read a book is when you acquire it. And if you haven't read it yet and it's been on your shelves for a while, like out it goes. Yeah. I have to say that that was really hard for me because she sees a lot of things that I consider human and complicated and exciting and emotional. She sees those things as clutter. So that includes books. And sadly, that includes art. You're only allowed to have art on the inside of your closet door, not on your walls. I apparently totally blocked that out. So did you follow that step? You know what? You are totally calling me on not meeting all of the guidelines of the book because I did not take all the art off my walls. I didn't I, do that. I'm not calling you out. I think that sounds purposely reasonable. Oh, my yeah. God. I can't believe I didn't do that. I was surprised that. to hear you hesitate. I thought you'd say no. No. I mean, <laughs> well, we have so much art in my house, and we have so many books in our house. I will say this, Anne. I did give away over 200 books during that. Wow. Um, she still has plenty of books, I promise. <laughs> I do. I still have plenty of books. And one thing that I would not part with were my late grandmother's cookbooks, her Betty Crocker cookbooks, all those old cookbooks that she cooked with back in her newlywed days, all of her handwritten notes. I would never get rid of any of those. There's a special category, right? Marie Kondo has. The keepsake, sentimental items. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And you can have one shoebox of those. Are you serious? That's about I've actually read box. this book, but I'm still so surprised because that sounds so drastic. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty drastic. Yeah. She spends yeah. a lot of time sorting and crying, folding and crying. <laughs> Lots of crying and lots of folding. When you're choosing a book to read on the podcast, how important is it that you want to push back from it? You've all you've been to book club where everybody sits around the room and said, I liked it. I liked it too. And there's nothing to talk about. But Marie Kondo says, take down all your art except what's inside your closet and everybody can go, oh, what? And there's plenty to talk about. So how important is the pushback factor in a successful episode of By the Book? I, I mean... I've always thought it kind of happens naturally. Yeah, because almost every book that's out there, almost every self-help book seems to have some sort of crazy to it. I mean, they're all they're all very extreme people who are writing these books. They're all people who've taken one tiny part of what it takes to live life and they have dissected it, you know, to beyond recognition and amped it up. So I think you're sort of guaranteed in reading self-help books that you'll come across one thing that's a little too extreme for you, that that your instincts will say, like, whoa, 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 that's crazy. Yeah, one of our listeners wrote in once and said, all all self-help books, my lesson from your show is that all self-help books are just memoirs of people who can't fix their own problems in normal ways. And so (laughs) these are the memoirs of people who could only find extreme ways to fix their lives. And that's what a self-help book is. And I loved that assessment. Yeah, it's the best, best way to look at it. Okay, with that in mind, what's your next favorite, Kristen? Okay, so this one's actually like a totally healthy one. And Jolent and I both loved it. It's a 1980s self-help bestseller called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself by Shad Helmstetter. This is a book about just saying kind things to yourself. Our internal dialogues tend to be very harsh. Up to 75% of the things that we say to ourselves in our heads or even out loud when we're talking to other people 
we're not always very kind to ourselves. Like how often do we say to somebody, oh, I know this is going to sound stupid, but I actually think ABC. Or, or someone or not- compliments you and you're like, oh, shut up. No, I'm a total idiot. Or no, I look gross today. Yeah. So it's not just the stuff we say out loud, though. It's the stuff that we say to ourselves all the time. Like, oh, God, everyone's looking at me like, oh, God, I can't believe I wore this today. That question was so stupid that I just asked. You know, we all say bad things to ourselves at a much higher rate than we deserve. I would argue to say we shouldn't be mean to ourselves at all. But, you know, if we did it only 1% as often as we do, that'd be so much better. The book has concrete steps for reducing your negative self-talk. And one of the things that Jolent and I both loved was every morning doing the book's self-talk technique, which is you wake up in the morning. <laughs> so weird. And it's so great. You wake up, good morning, Kristen. How are you doing, Kristen? Thanks for asking, Kristen. I'm doing great, Kristen. Are we going to start this day off great? We are going to start off this day great, Kristen. Let's use our fantastic feet and use those feet to walk to the fantastic shower. I love a shower. (laughs) Me too, Kristen. You give yourself a pep talk. (laughs) It's not just a pep talk, though. It's a way to counsel with yourself, to ask yourself questions, to explore things that you're worried about, but do it in a positive way. And it's just fun. It's super fun. That's a great way to start the day with anything that's super fun. Not necessarily talking to yourself about the shower, but that's super fun. <laughs> it was. It was really, really fun when we lived by that book. And I would say, Jolenta, you probably agree with me. Mm-hmm. This was hands down for our listeners, the one that struck accord with them as the most helpful. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I agree. Yeah. A lot of people resonated with examples of like my personal self-talk before the book, which is very negative. And and I think, you know, women are taught to internalize a lot of their problems and blame their sel- themselves for a lot of things. And so I think it's a really nice reminder to give yourself a break and and to question those negative thoughts that you take as, as fact about yourself. That's really interesting to me that it's a comedy show and you all are really funny. And yet, that's a really profound experience to realize that you're talking, you know, oh, that you're yeah, saying, yeah. I'm an idiot when I do this, but this hearing you all talk about it could change some of that self-talk. Yeah. How, do, how do you, do you have like a cogent philosophy of comedy and better living? I think that the best comedy, I mean, I'm going to say this as the non-comedian okay, on the show. Okay, yeah. I'm, 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 <laughs> Go, I'm, I'm, no, Grayson, take this one. <laughs> I'm the straight man on the show, but my philosophy about the relationship between comedy and reality is the best comedy is actually telling a story that we can relate to that is real. The best comedy isn't a knock-knock joke. The best comedy is, I can relate to this. I lived this. This is a story that we've all lived, even if we've lived it in a different way, and sharing all the details. And for me and for Jolenta, that means everything from crying in a bathroom to doing things that are weird with our husbands, eating strange foods, using unusual vocabulary. And it's those little details. Like when I started talking about my huga soccer, you know, and, no. and using the different languages <laughs> yes. um, that were related to huga, it's those details where the comedy comes from. If there weren't little details that were also relatable and about our lives, then there would be no comedy in this show, or at least not the kind of comedy that I like to listen to. Yeah. The funny because it's true and relatable sort. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What's favorite number three? All right. It looks like we agree on this one. Kristen. Oh, we totally agree. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're doing our, we'll do our, our final recommendation together. And it is Why Good Things Happen to Good People by Stephen J. Post and Jill Nymark. This is a book actually, unlike a lot of self help books that are written by fake doctors who mm-hmm. got their 
degrees from diploma mills. These like are legit people. <laughs> they seem to have backgrounds in things like research and like development. <laughs> yes, all of those things. And so this book is about all the scientific research that's been done that links happiness, longevity, and health to acts of kindness in the world. So people who do volunteer work, for example, as teenagers, when you check in on them as senior citizens, they're healthier and they live longer than other people, even if they never do volunteer work again after their yeah. teenage And they're lives. often like more successful yes. in life and stuff like Just all those correlations between uh, what giving brings back into your life. Yeah. And they just tend to be happier. And so the book gives you 10 steps of how to be kinder, braver, to have more laughter, and to do all these things in the world. Yeah, to do all these things in the world. Jolenta and I both felt so much happier Mm -hmm. while we were living by this book. Every single step brought something forward, except for forgiveness. I skipped that step. (laughs) (laughs) You thought about it more than I did, I think. I was just like, I don't even know. Bye. (laughs) But other than forgiveness, we liked the other nine steps in the Mm -hmm. book. So on a practical level, how did the authors take something like be more joyful and put that into an action step? Oh, Jolenta killed it on that one. So laughter, joyful, comedy. In this case, it said to either go somewhere like a movie or to a live show And be part of an audience and laugh with others. Or if you're brave enough, go on stage and say something really funny or entertain other people. And since Jolenta's already a stand-up comic, she actually did a live show. And my husband and I and Jolenta's husband, Brad, we all sat in the audience and we laughed and clapped for her. It was beautiful. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Oh, it was so good. Also, like A-plus self-help following material. Right, right. (laughs) So Jolenta, you had to perform and Kristen just got to laugh. Yeah, it was even. I had the easy job. They also, I think in the book, one of the steps is bravery, which I think I was trying to kill two birds with one stone because I was trying a new set about some different material than I usually do. So so there's there's that aspect of sort of putting yourself out there. It also the book talks about you sort of have to get clear on your own personal mission statement and like what you hope to achieve with your life and that also helps you figure out in what areas to be giving more and and doing more which I really oh, like. Interesting. That makes me want to read it. Okay, on the flip side. They're <laughs> <laughs> oh, so very oh, conflicted yes. about using the H word, but I have the feeling that you all wouldn't mind saying you hated a couple of books that you mm-hmm. chose to read for the show. Oh, yes. Hate is the correct word. I call them my not my <laughs> non-recommendations. Oh, you're so much nicer I'm than trying you, to, yeah, I'm trying They're horrible. to be nice. <laughs> you want to go first with your non-rec? Oh, let's do this one together because our first one we agree on. Well, oh, yes. Yeah. The, the Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. That was, I think, the most suggested book to us, and it's a huge... Um, ebook bestseller. He is an author who also is kind of on the motivational speaking circuit and he's also a hip hop artist. I didn't know that. I believe his Twitter handle now says he's a comedian, which piqued my interest. Mm, yeah. And he uses a lot of what I consider charlatan language. This is the quote, one guaranteed method. Mm-hmm. Quote to, to become a level ten person. Quote. All caps. <laughs> yes. So he uses a lot of lingo, a lot of snazzy nothing else will change you but this will sort of language. That immediately put up red flags for me and Jolenta both where it's like, hey, 
hey, that's not how humans work where there's one method that fixes everybody. And he was very strict about that. And he uses a lot of zippy language and horrible bad writing. Very, very, you know, that grammatical error stuff and that spelling stuff we were talking about earlier. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it comes into play in this ebook. Your goal with his book is to become a level 10 person. All of his examples of level 10 people, with the exception of three, happen to be white men. So, that doesn't speak very well and to me or to And his, when you're only like, when your only examples of like a level 10 person who's not a white man is Oprah, it's like, okay. well, that's we're not never, fair. We're all no never one's gonna be <laughs> Oprah. We love her so much, but none right. of us are going to be Oprah. His idea for what level 10 is and the only thing one should be striving for in life is to be a super efficient worker, thus making a large amount of money, which we also find questionable. That's not the one pursuit of happiness in life. Yeah. And then on top of all of that, the idea that the only way to make your life better is to wake up 90 minutes earlier each day, it somehow says there's something wrong with the way our own circadian rhythms and our own bodies work and what our work schedules are and how we've set up our home lives and it didn't work for me it did not work for jolenta jolenta actually got got very sick while she was following (laughs) this book she ended up with a temperature of over 101 she was bedridden because of this book it was very he also says in the book you only need as much sleep as like you think you need so if you think you need <gasps> more yes. than six, like you're just weak and like Maybe you're just don't not thinking let your about mind play right. tricks on you, you know, that kind of stuff where it's like, you know, I needed sleep and now I'm sick because I've been getting up at five to go on an extra run every morning and visualize. Yeah. And my job at the time when we were living this book required me to go to late night work events. Sometimes I wouldn't get home until one or two in the morning. So the idea of then waking up at 6 a.m., repeatedly it was actually causing strain in my marriage and I was becoming a not very nice person. I was super grumpy because I was sleeping four hours a night. Oh, that's not good. No, it was horrible. It was very bad. Very bad. So what did he want you to do in these 90 minutes when you got up? I can't remember what else. What are the... I'm trying to look at... Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, look at... (laughs) Oh, S, silence. So that's like meditation, prayer, breath work. Blah, blah, blah. A, affirmations. Give your, like, speak aloud or write affirmations. V, visualization. Imagine yourself in a car or whatever. E, exercise. R, reading. S, again, savers, scribing. Where you write, you know, sort of a daily pages, artist way type journaling, I guess. Yeah, and the savers steps should take an hour total not including the time to change your outfits multiple times or to do the other kinds of um, freshening up and things you're supposed to do before and after. Okay, so charlatan, yeah. bad writing, <laughs> hate the Just, premise, yeah. unrelatable examples. Did not yep, like not it. Not good. Didn't like it. All right. So what else didn't work for you all? French women don't get fat was really, really bad for me. And we embarked on it with some we hope, were actually. Excited. Because I the, was excited, yeah. Well, the book says it's about mindful eating and it's about the joy of eating rather than deprivation. And deprivation is something that neither Jolenta nor I are into. We like the idea of, if you love this, enjoy it. And so I thought it would be a good healthy eating sort of method. But mm-hmm. we didn't realize that the first 48 hours you follow the book You have to boil leeks. You can only consume the water that the leeks were boiled in. The broth. For two days? Yes. And if you get really, really hungry, you can eat the boiled leeks themselves. And that's it. Oh, wow. So it starts off like any typical crash diet where you starve yourself in order to drop some water weight to be like, oh, my God, I already lost three pounds like reading this book. 
Yeah. And I mean, I have a history of disordered eating and this just completely put me into a tailspin where I went right back there. I started weighing myself Mm. up to 50 times a day. It was very, very bad. And then there are all these recipes that are very French and you know what? I guess I don't really like French food. Full of so So much much dairy dairy and oil, butter, oil, dairy. And I'm like, I just want to eat a big salad and not eat this food anymore. So I didn't enjoy the food. I didn't enjoy the starvation. The whole book just was very bad for me. It was not good. And if you want to hear lots of crying, it's a yeah. great episode of yes, Buy the Book to Listen cry. to. <laughs> because there's lots of crying in that one. Wow. So I've seen that book around, but I haven't read it. And I had no idea leek broth was involved in any way, shape, or form. Right, right. It definitely markets itself as sort of a like, we're the sensible, you know, more intuitive, just like learn how to eat book. But it's still... yeah. It's still, it's a, diet still book. a diet book, and diet books, you know, exist to, you know, keep us feeling shame about our bodies. And I think, you know, if you want to look at what you're eating, don't go to a book. Go to uh, a doctor Dietitian or a doctor, and don't consider it like a self help, you know, experiment. You're talking about your body, your only vessel in this life. So take that kind of stuff seriously. And after that episode, actually, Jolenta and I made a decision that we announced to our listeners, which was we will never do another book again that promotes weight loss. And we still get many, many listeners writing in every week. But no, just this one book will like change the whole your mind. Thirty, isn't that? <laughs> like, yes, it is. Yeah. So we keep on getting recommendations from our listeners anyway, but we had to make the conscious decision for both of our well-being and particularly mine that we can't do any more books about weight loss. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, no one should ever read books that are psychologically damaging to them. Definitely not inviting them into their life. Right. So that seems like a great call to me. Jolenta hated another book, probably even worse. Oh, yeah. All right. Yes. This is our our last (laughs) non-recommendation, which is Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus by John Gray. PhD question mark because uh, he's not a real PhD. It was so bad. This book bummed me out because at least in my generation growing up in the 90s, pretty hardcore, everyone's parents had this book. It is, according to Time magazine, the best-selling work of nonfiction from the 90s. Like this is the relationship guidebook. But I found it to be very outdated and super sexist. And basically it had a ton of advice for women about how they're doing everything wrong when they communicate with their man and if they feel like they aren't getting enough from their man to go find it elsewhere with their friends. And it basically tells men, like, stay the course and make it, like, learn how to look like you're listening, maybe. Yeah, and it's also treating outdated gender norms as if they're scientific facts. Yeah. Like, men are just this way. Inherently this, not because we gendered them and raised them this way. And, like, women are inherently that because, like, (laughs) science, maybe. Yeah, and the things that women inherently are are irritating and we talk too much. We're so needy. And the things that men inherently are are knowledgeable and stable. Sane, yeah. Yeah, and so it, it just has a million reasons to be hated. Okay, I'm having flashbacks to my own self-help reading origins because I read this book in the 90s. Uh Uh-oh. I'm like one of those compulsive readers who sees reading material and has to read it, but sometimes back then forgot to bring a book with me everywhere I went. Mm. And I babysat a ton, and the current bestsellers were often on people's coffee tables. And that is when I read Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. So I was probably in high school. 
Oh, good. Nice and impressionable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, are you appalled now for my younger self? How many people like me are there out there who read this when they were babysitting on Saturday night? Oh, when totally. They were, you know, 15. Do you remember anything about it when you were reading it, Anne? Yes. Um, men go in the cave. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. And don't don't bother them there. Let's say it's days or weeks before they come out. Don't be mad at them. Just go be, shopping. Tell with them a you're friend. tell them you're grateful they came back. Don't ever ask why they didn't talk to you for a month. Don't ever ask. That's nagging. Don't do that. There's some like great YA fantasy series. I feel like could really do something with that title. Yes. Oh, right now, oh, I'm yes. thinking like Marissa Meyer, her Lunar Chronicle series. We're so right bumping up next to John Gray here. John Gray. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so we we got to talk about some books for you all to read next. Please. But it sounds like you have plenty to choose from. Yeah, but we'd love to know what you think we should read next. Yes, very much so. Well, do you want to tell me what your listeners are clamoring to read? Yeah. So <laughs> Aside from weight loss books. <laughs> right. So we get a ton of people asking us, I don't know if I can say this on your show. Can we say it? The mm. Subtle Art. Oh, the Manson book. No- yes. You knew what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, can I say the that? The Subtle Art of Not Giving an I- F? Yes. An F. A lot of people want us to read that book. Yes, yes. We've gotten that recommendation a lot. A lot of people want us to read The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. We've gotten that recommendation so much, so much. Um, Many people have asked us to read Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics by Dan Harris. And the main reason for that is... I Kristen hates meditating, and I'm bad. <laughs> that we've we've learned hate from it. the books that that have a bit of meditation. Kristen goes insane. I either fall asleep or I get very very angry. <laughs> I need to investigate this more. <laughs> I'm tripped up on the bestseller potential. How about this? I have books that I would love to hear you talk about that I think would make really really interesting listening. Let's hear. That them. sounds great. I'm really curious about what areas you'll go into with self-help because now I'm kind of dreaming about you all doing an episode on, say, like Color Me Beautiful, the fashion and beauty guide from the 80s. Oh, but we've that's... talked about that, uh, actually. We, no, on we, the show? We, no, Jolent and I off mic have talked about how we would possibly do a color guide of like dressing our seasons or doing um, some sort of beauty Oh sort my of gosh, book. This, I just looked up the book. It looks fantastic. So that's not necessarily outside your wheelhouse? Oh, no, no, absolutely oh. not outside our wheelhouse. Over three years on the New York Times bestseller list says... That is such a good recommendation. Oh, my gosh. This looks incredible. And this woman on the cover with her 80s color palette in front of her. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Okay. We're adding it to our list right now. I'm typing it in. Color me beautiful on our consideration list. The idea is that you find out what color palette you are, Mm -hmm. whether you're a spring or a summer, an autumn or a winter, and what colors you're supposed to wear to make you look alive and healthy and fresh and glowing, and then how to accent that with makeup and hair and... But it's it's so thorough. It's a whole philosophy the way that Marie Kondo has a whole philosophy. I mean, according to her her subtitle, it's discover your natural beauty through the colors that make you look great and feel fabulous. So it definitely is supposed to go beyond looks. There's another one I'd love to hear you do, especially because when I dream about uprooting my life and changing everything, I want to move to an apartment I cannot afford in Manhattan or maybe Brooklyn. So there's this book. It came out a couple years ago. It's called This is Where You Belong, The Art and Science of Loving the Place You Live. Do you all love the place you live? You may very well love the place you live. 
So this is for people who love where they live, but also who might need some help Mm -hmm. loving where they live. This is kind of similar to The Happiness Project. You know, I think Gretchen Rubin might have blurbed it, actually. But Melody Warnick combines research with her own personal, I don't know if she does it month by month or if they're kind of like interwoven all at the same time, but she has very specific concrete tasks for getting involved in her community and changing her frame of mind and just really embracing where she lives. So in one chapter, she talks about buying local and like patronizing the stores you can walk to if you can do that. Uh, She talks about saying hi to your neighbors and learning their names. She talks about volunteering, about uh, doing fun stuff in your community, about getting more politically involved, not because you suddenly have this huge interest in politics, but because you're interested in the place you live. And that's a way that change is made. Uh, She talks about making things and um, like being true to your town. In the same way the Beach Boys were true to their school. How's that sound <laughs> oh my to you? gosh, I love this. It's well-written and well-researched. The writing is good, solid, and the content is both practical and actually, like, concretely actionable for your purposes. It's not all, like, in the mind. Kristen's always about a community and, like, nature and, like, Neighbors. getting out of your house, which I'm... Well, you're more into nature. <laughs> I do Jolent- love nature. Jolenta's really good at nature. I'm really good at community, though. I love like right. um, being able to walk to everything. I love saying hi to people. Ugh, so scary. <laughs> hi, neighbor. Hi, I'm Kristen. I live in your building. No. <laughs> My grandfather always told me, you should always be the first one to say hi. There's no reason not to. Oh, it makes the world nice. a better place. Oh, I love so. your grandpa. Y'all are kindred spirits. For our final pick, I'm really torn between going lofty. Mm. or going fun. I vote fun. We are a comedy show after all. I really want to hear you talk about not just you are a badass, but I want to hear you discuss you are a badass at making money. Here's why I'm interested in this for you. First of all, you are a badass has sold a bazillion copies. Some concepts you've heard before, if you read self-help, but it's packaged very differently. And her voice is amazing. Her writing voice is so distinct, so strong. It's very, very well edited, which I know you value really, yes, really high. Yes. You are a badass is more like take on your life, take no prisoners, make no excuses, like just go get it done, mm-hmm. own who you are. It's a great world. Go do it, sister. You are a badass at making money is very frank talk about a subject people don't talk about frankly mm-hmm. that I felt was woo-woo enough that I would really love to hear it discussed on your podcast. Oh, I'm really so interested for that reason. Hold on. Is that like a wanna... secret where you write yourself a check for a million dollars? Or what do you mean by woo-woo? Well, if there was a spectrum. <laughs> yes, with, I'm, I'm visualizing Put your it. money in the savings bank mm-hmm. after you earned it mm-hmm. on, you know, point zero, and write yourself a check for a million dollars you're going to cash next week. At 100, this is at like 40. Okay, okay. I'm, Yeah. Okay. It's not safe in like savings. It's not in the savings bond. Okay, that's good because I get afraid of money stuff. Uh, we we live by a what was it? America's, America's cheapest, cheapest family, family gets, gets you right, right on, on the, the money. money. <laughs> um, and money stuff scares me, but I feel like maybe with an added sense of like girl power and a hint of woo woo, I could get really invested. Invested? Oh, oh no, you sorry. Didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I could get behind that. <laughs> I'm buying it. Yes. Money stuff is scary, yeah. which is why I like it. Um, so I know you did America's Cheapest Family, and that was very pragmatic. Right, yeah. So Jen has some, like, action steps, but it's not like parcel out your container of oats so that you can make it nice. last over, like, two more weeks. <laughs> Instead, Amazing. it's like 
a little bit action, but a little bit affirmations and list mm-hmm. making. And I know how you feel about affirmations and lists. Jen tackles head on the like, well, I don't believe I need money to be happy, which is how I feel, you know, like mm-hmm. as long as I have a roof over my head and groceries in my fridge, I am good. But she's like, you know what? How do you buy those groceries? Like, wouldn't you like to take a trip to Italy? Like money's pretty great. And everything in me goes, no, 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 stop it, stop it, stop it. Which is the kind of tension that I think would be so fun to listen to you all talk about. You are so good at your job. You should host a show called you What Should, should I Read Next? You should recommend books to people. Yeah, oh you should just gosh. do that for a living, Anne. You know, I thought about it. <laughs> Weird. I need to warn you, though, mm-hmm. that she uses words like cheddar with no R. So oh, I sure love that. that. Oh, my God. Kristen. <laughs> Kristen can't get I am silently that, frowning and shaking my head right now. <laughs> shaking my head. And she has chapters called things like practices for busting yourself and your mental money maker. So if you can't go there, then, you know, I'm about to there. take my headsets, throw them down on this no, table and we walk can go out of this there. Room. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can. Don't you want cheddar? <laughs> I like Okay, I'm gonna, don't I'm make gonna, a cheese joke. I was Stop. about to. I was about to. I could to. see it in your eyes. <laughs> okay, of those books, what do y'all think you want to read next? Oh my gosh, I'm so torn. For whatever purpose. Well, color me beautiful, hands down. Color That's me what beautiful is pretty much looks like everything I've always wanted ever. For us to be able to post pictures every day of what we're wearing or our awesome makeup, mm, that mm. would be so fun. Before we go, could each of you recommend one self help book? that you thought, in your opinion, on or off the podcast, was terrific. Dream More by Dolly Parton. I am I don't, I don't such know this. a huge <laughs> Dolly fan, and all of our listeners know this because I talk about Dolly Parton a lot. Dream More was originally a commencement speech that she gave at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, about dreaming big, about pushing yourself to do more, and that meant to love more, to live more, to push yourself um, academically celebrate the dreamer in you quote this speech was originally just you know a commencement speech but then she expanded it into a book which by the way if you listen to audiobooks she reads herself so you can hear dolly doing all of her storytelling all of her encouragement all of her love one wonderful thing about this book is it supports her foundation to support childhood literacy and her late father couldn't read and it was very important to her to help support young people in learning to read and loving to read this book just means you're supporting something good also but of course dolly just makes you feel so good everything she says is a little bit magical she loves her family so there's lots of fun stories about her family and just about her and her magical way of seeing the world so it's just fantastic i think i need that in my life you do. i did not know about that everybody needs this book my recommendation is uh, the polar opposite of Kristen's. Um, <laughs> this is the book that we picked up for uh, live shows that we've done. Um, <laughs> yes, Kristen. It is the funniest self-help book I have ever read. It is. It has no good advice, but it is so entertaining. It is called Here's the Situation by Mike Sarantino, uh, otherwise known as The Situation from the Jersey Shore. And the full title is Here's the Situation, a guide to creeping on chicks, avoiding grenades, and getting in your GTL on the Jersey Shore. GTL, of course, stands for Jim Tan Laundry. I don't know this one. And it is... <laughs> Though I'm less surprised. It is a book um, where the situation just guides you through being a creeper. 
I guess. <laughs> yeah. And he'll have, he has like every chapter has some sort of weird, vague advice about believing in yourself in a hyper masculine type of way. And then at the end of the chapter, there is a real life situation section where he then tells, tells a personal anecdote in which this advice was key. And his stories about, you know, his adventures in Vegas are just horrible but so funny. What makes this a favorite for you? And who do you think would enjoy it? I think, um, hmm. <laughs> I have a couple of ideas. Who, yeah. Who I, think I would I say would just love. if you're looking for a laugh to feel good about your life choices. Yes. I was, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. Like, I, I would say... recommend reading this book. No matter like, how wow, yeah. wow. <laughs> no matter how bad your life is, it's better than Mike the situation thinks his life is. Exactly. <laughs> This was so fun. Thanks for talking books with me today. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much, Anne. This was such a joy. Hey, readers. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kristen and Joe Lenta today. Head to the podcast site to share your recommendations for them and let them know there what you thought of my recommendations. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 121. That's 121. And it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. Next week's guest, Scott Flannery, might have been a household name for you last year if you're a fan of reality TV, but he's also a total book club go-getter. Here's a sneak peek of what's coming on the next episode of What Should I Read Next? In Los Angeles, it's very hard to see your friends because there's that traffic that everyone knows about. There's so many things to do. You're just bombarded with activity and media consumption. Sometimes you just forget to really develop your relationships. One way I started to combat that was to reach out to my five best friends. I knew we all liked to read on the you know, offhand. And I said, why don't we start book club? We have similar interests. We all want to read more. And we want to see each other with regularity. They all agreed. We're not one of those book clubs who got together and just drank wine <laughs> and just talked. <laughs> we actually discussed the book, and uh, we each contributed a dish that related to the book some way. So it was very creative and exciting. And you were asking about my reading life in Seattle, and I was thinking, what better way to meet new friends than start another book club? And so my first meeting with my new book club is next week. That's coming next Tuesday. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss a thing. If you're on Twitter, let me know there, at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Tag us on Instagram to share what you are reading. You can find me there, at Ann Bogle, and at What Should I Read Next. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation, and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. 
Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed.